ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garage Door Sports podcast. Like This is brand new. I will be the host today, Kyle Vardy, joined by Irfan Manji. We are kicking Nick out. He's gone. He's done. No, I'm kidding. Nick has prior engagements today, so it's just the two of us. Irfan, how's it going today? Good, good. It's going to be a different show. Usually Nick is the one that cues us in, but we got it. We got it today. We won't botch it as badly, but we got it. <laughs> it it's weird. Like We both host our own shows, yet... It mm-hmm. feels brand new by doing this. Like it just feels, it feels weird almost. I, I don't know yeah. what it is, but agreed. I mean, we know sports. We know how to talk about it. I think we'll be fine. We got this. It's okay. We got it's this. okay. Well, here, here's here's the first part that we're gonna have to mess up. Okay, we're gonna start with our kickoff segment, <laughs> sponsored by Canada's Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punter in the Southern Ontario region. I that's as far as I can go. I, I don't remember. I don't memorize it. But anyways, check out Kicking Can, Canada's Kicking Academy. Check them out if you're a kicker, punter, anything in football. Check them out. They'll be a great help to you. Yeah, and they're still uh, going during COVID as well, so uh, you can get special training with uh, Gabe and his brother. Gabe and Wade, right? No, no, that's different. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry think, guys. Think of something else. Anyways. With saying that, let's start off. Why don't, why don't we do it? The Ben Simmons saga, let's call it. The the absolute turmoil that the 76ers are in right now. Asking, you know, it went from in the offseason, asking for basically an entire team's prospects and picks mm-hmm. to now Ben Simmons doesn't want to play for them at all, refusing to pay or to play for them. And then as of yesterday... The 76ers are now holding back $8.25 million from Ben Simmons for a what they call a reserve fund for once he gets basically suspended for not showing up. Mm. Like, Irfan, like, what is going on? Like, is, is there any end in sight to this? I think this is the dumbest thing in the world because the 76ers have stood by Ben Simmons since day one, since we found out he doesn't have a jumper, the guy can't shoot anything but a layup, right? Barely plays adequate defense. Like he's, he's been weighing this team down, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, but he's probably their Achilles heel. And the fact that they've been like, we're not going to trade him. He's an important piece on this team. We think he's great, blah, 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 blah. And now he's the one giving attitude and, not respecting the team there's no loyalty in it and i get that he didn't have a good couple years but the reports coming out about him being unhappy players having to fly out to go console this guy um just to be like we really want you back on the team Mm -hmm. and 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 you also mentioned that you know the, the sixers are asking for half a team plus more yeah that doesn't make sense to me the guy's not that good like to me he's a four fifth bench guy on a on a good team you know, so the 76ers, when he was high two, three years ago, when we were talking about this, that's when that trade should have happened. Now his stock is so low that I'd be like, who's going to trade for him? You know, he goes to the Raptors, the, the 76ers are like, we want Pascal, we want OG, we want a first round pick, maybe a second round pick and a, and a, and a bench player for Ben Simmons. Because his attitude to me now is like, what happens when you run your course on something? For sure. And I think the, I think the biggest thing, and especially like looking at this whole saga, I've never been a fan of Ben Simmons. That's just me personally. I believe if you can't shoot a, a basketball one, your position should never be point guard. Sorry. Yeah. He, he, he's not a point guard. He's, he's, he's great at dishing the ball. He has really good defense. Don't get me wrong. He's an all, like, he's an all-star in this game, but if you can't shoot, your value is extremely diminished. And yeah. it's like, I don't care how good of the defense you 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 do. Like it just doesn't work. You know, we're, yeah, not, even, we're not even the last couple, but even the last couple months in the season, like his defense wasn't great. Like mm. there's a reason why Atlanta beat them was because it was like Joel Embiid versus five starters at one point. I, I honestly I think I think last year in the playoffs, I think he checked out. And I think mm. because he struggled so much, he's just like, I'm good. I don't really want to do it. Mm. And I mean it's not a it's not a great 
he's not a great attitude by any means, mm-hmm. but it's one of those, you know, I think he overvalues himself based on when he makes an all-star game. I think yeah. he overvalues himself based on that. Like I am an all-star. Yeah. But you're averaging like 10 points a game. Sorry. You're, you're not worth. Cause like, what was the offer for the Raptors? I think it was like three first round picks, Fred Van yeah. Vliet, OG. Pascal was in there at one point. Yeah. And it was like, they were asking for basically everybody. The Raptors would have been left with Ben Simmons. He would have played all five positions and that's all they would have had. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very, very interesting to see what goes on with this. Like, as I said before, they put $8.25 million aside. He's basically going to lose $225,000 per game for the, every game he missed. So, I do they it's do the crazy. Sixers just cut him at this point? Just have a mutual agreement and let him go because you're not going to get much from from the market. A he leaves, you clear cap space, like parts of your cap space, to go sign a free agent, like a veteran free agent that might be able to cohesively bring the team together because they have a good coach and Doc. I think Joel is a superstar. Mm-hmm. They're just missing a second guy. And, and maybe, and it isn't Ben Simmons. Like, his camp was complaining about the fact that Embiid takes up all the lanes. So he can't even drive for layups anymore because of his 10 points per game issue. And you're like, but that's Embiid's role. Your job is to shoot. Yeah. If, if you're the point guard, you shouldn't be trying to, like, you shouldn't be trying to go to the lane every single time. Like, don't get me wrong. That's what Russell Westbrook does, and he does it great. But he can shoot but he can also shoot. <laughs> he, he has some sort of mid-range game. You know, his three-pointers, he's not great at it, but he can shoot them at least. It's not, you know, when, when Westbrook hits a three, it's not like, oh, my God, he just hit a three. When Ben Simmons hits a three, it's like, what the heck just happened? The world just stood on its head. Yeah. So, I mean. If you, if you were to bet on him making a three, you'd make a lot of money because, like, chances are he probably won't make one. Oh, absolutely. I mean. I think I think you you could probably put your entire mortgage or anything like that that down on him not hitting a three, and you know you'd, you'd make a, a couple bucks back. So yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this actually turns out. Uh, I mean, I, I think there are a few trade suitors out there that will make an offer for him. Um, I heard yesterday that the Pacers are potentially interested in him. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're going to give up. It'll be interesting with that lineup, how they work it with, uh, you know, Turner and Sabonis uh, as the big man up front. Does Simmons play point guard? I, I don't know. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, he could fit there, but what are they going to give up? I mean, that's the biggest question. Well, okay, so they bring him if if he goes to the the, the Pacers, he's going to. What, what position is he going to play? Because he can't shoot from anywhere. He can't wing. He can't play down the middle. Like. To me, he's probably the guy you bring off on the bench now because you said his defense is pretty good. So, is he? Uh, is he? Does he become a Mo Williams type of player, not the All Star that he's supposed to be? I mean, like to me, like you have, you have Brogdon there, you got Miles Turner, you got Sabonis. I think if you put him as the point guard, yeah. Um, you know, you put Justin Holiday to the bench because I think that would work better, but. I don't, I don't know. It, to me, that's one of those teams where you have to also think about what goes back the other way, right? Well, the Pacers would have to lose a starter. I mean, you would think that Karis Levert would go back, but then apparently there's rumors that he has a stress fracture in his back, which could extremely derail his career. So it's like, it's it's going to be a very interesting interesting next couple of weeks because preseason starts tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. So... Well, the Kings have also been linked to, to Ben Simmons, but again, they have to give up so many pieces that they've been working on a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Do you take that chance on the what if that Ben Simmons is going to be good enough? Or do you just stick it out like the, the Suns did and sort of like let your young guys kind of get into their group and then start bringing in a Chris Paul type of player that will put you over the top? See, the Kings are an interesting position because – De'Aaron Fox is there and he's the point guard. He's the guy who runs everything. Right. So to me, I, I still always said they need that extra piece. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought Buddy Heald was going to be that piece. Now Buddy Heald's more like a rotational piece. You know, Marvin Bagley, their center they have out there is young. He's got potential. 
but they still need something else to help De'Aaron Fox because De'Aaron Fox can't really do it himself. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, great pick last year. But mm-hmm. realistically, if you're trading for Ben Simmons, Philadelphia is probably going to ask for Halliburton back. It's, it's just reality. Well, he asked for Fox and Halliburton at one point was one of the rumors. So yeah. one of the two be like, we'll give you a first round and we'll give you one of, we'll give you Halliburton or something. Yeah. Like at and, that and point, that's the, that's yeah. the max. hundred percent. It's like, to me, I wouldn't trade De'Aaron Fox right now straight up for Ben Simmons. I wouldn't. Sorry. No. Like I, I like I like De'Aaron Fox's game. I like I like everything he brings and and the mental case that you're getting in Ben Simmons right now, to me, just not worth not not worth the extra <clears throat> I guess extra I'm gonna say extra pain in the ass that really comes along with bringing in Ben Simmons is really what it comes Wait, down to. Well. Clearly, his attitude the last couple months, and I get he's in a tired situation, but not when a club's been your backing since you've been drafted. To yeah. me, that that just screams, I don't know if I want him on my team, no matter how good his upside is. Fair. I guess it's 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 gonna be interesting how how this plays okay. out. We'll see what happens with Philadelphia, because uh, you know Philadelphia, <clears throat> without without that Ben Simmons aspect on the team, uh, can Embiid carry them to you know a top three four position in the East? I don't know. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes there. Well, they could but, do a Buck situation where Giannis is that main piece, just like Embiid would be, and just bring in the right pieces on the side. I don't know if the Sixers are an attractive spot for that right now because everyone either goes to an LA team or everyone wants to go to Golden State or mm-hmm. everyone wants to go to Phoenix now because I mean that's where that's where the hype is. So. Well, yeah, in, in the East right now, it's Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Miami is really what it is. That's right? true. With, with Miami getting Lowry in the offseason, too. You had Lowry to Butler and Bam and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, are, are they are they the attractive piece? No, because I would even say Boston's probably more attractive than than going there. Okay. So, yeah. uh, I mean, they're the fifth, sixth, probably most attractive team in the East, let alone you know anything else because i would yeah. i would honestly it's weird to say i would put the knicks up there purely because they're in new york as well right the knicks are an attractive place to go to they're young up and coming made the playoffs last year yeah like they're they're an attractive thing to get to go to so I, i'm not sure uh, it's gonna be very interesting we'll have to stay tuned to see how this saga turns out um and truly what comes of it uh i i do think it comes down to a trade it's just gonna be a matter of who and how much yeah. Um, I don't think there's any other way around this. I, I don't think, you know, Sixers mind. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they cut them. I think, you know, is it, is it a possibility? Sure. But I think they want some sort of return. They're not going to just cut bait and, and lose him at this point. And he will not play for that team again. I will say that right now. So, well, that will do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada, a kicking Academy. Uh, check them out at canadakickingacademy.com, I believe. Um, and they will take care of all your needs and answer any questions you may have. Uh, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Irfan Manji from Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly and Paige Culver. We provide news, analysis, and opinions each episode as well. You can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher and follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Cheers. Alrighty, we are back. We will uh, rely on Nick to help us out with the editing on that one and uh, try and get uh, some ads in there for our other shows. You know, Irfan hosts uh, Touchline Thoughts. I myself host Betting House Podcast. So, you know, check both of us out. We are both in the same network on Spotify, on SoundCloud, whatever you may listen to your podcasts on. I know. Well, well, we kind of made our own little our own little ad there, but it is what it is. Um, let's move on from the Ben Simmons saga to the I don't even know what to say, the the absolute insane weekend that could be happening right now in the MLB. Like it's wild card breakdown weekend is basically what it is. You know, four teams are still in the running for two spots right now. You know, NL wrapped up, no problem, done. They know who's playing. It's all a matter of positioning, but it looks like Dodgers obviously are going to be number one 
depending on if they win the division or not. If not, it'd be the Giants. Cardinals are the number two, and Cardinals are just waiting to see who they play. Um, but in the East, Yankees currently one game up in the first wild card. Uh, playing the Rays this weekend, though. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then the Jays are currently playing Baltimore this weekend. One last night after eke, you know, eking out a win after being up 6 nothing. Uh, they need to win outright to even have a chance. Uh, Boston is in Washington playing the Nationals. Uh, two home runs helped them last night to win that game. And then finally, Seattle Mariners are in L.A. playing the Angels. And after a loss last night, they need to win out in order to make the playoffs. So we can uh, we can go into this. Irfan, I'll, I'll ask this. I'll ask to you this to you first. Who do you think is going to be the two wild card spots? Damn it. <laughs> the toughest question yet. Um, man, you kind of just summarized everything in the sense that every team has going into this struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yanks have to play the Rays. I think they have the toughest matchup. The fact that the Mariners lost last night to the Angels, that was kind of shocking. And the Jays didn't look great. Like, they looked shaky. Uh, they had a 6-0 lead. It was 6-4, and it was it was nervy. Even when they were up 2-0, it was a nervy, nervy game. Uh, you can feel the tension in the stadium. It was just like, ah, oh, damn it, it's too close to call, you know? Um, but Matt's was, Matt's was great last night. But back to your question, I think the Yankees will win one game. They're going to split the next one with the, the Rays, and I think they'll be one of the teams. The next three, it just comes down to who's going to come clutch. I mean, you know, the Jays got good pitching from their starter yesterday. That was important. So can they get that from Hinge and Ryu on Sunday? Because that could be the biggest game of the season. It probably is the biggest game of the season, right? Um, I think the Mariners probably have the best schedule um, because they're coming in hot. They were nine and one up until yesterday. So they're eight and two now in the last 10 games. I think they have the best chance of making it. So sorry, Jays fans, but I'm going to say I'm going to, I'm, I'm feeling a New York and uh, Seattle wildcard. Cause I, I want, you know, as much as I want the Jays and I want Seattle and the Jays to go through um, yeah. realistically, I mean, the Mariners are going in hot and I think the Yankees are also eight and two in the last 10 as well. So um, that, those are my two picks. How are you doing over there? What's your pick? I like it. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go weird. So I and this is the, this is kind of the scenario I want to see. I think it's gonna be a three way tie mm-hmm. for the final final spot. I do think I think the Yankees will get that first spot. I think they secure that. They literally need one win in order to secure it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the Red Sox lose one of these next two games. Seattle already lost. Toronto wins out. I think. And I think it's going to be a three-way tie for that final spot. And it, to me, that makes it very interesting. That's that's my favorite spot because the way they're doing tiebreakers this year is they're doing A, B, C. So the team with the best head-to-head record between the two teams or the like the, other, the other two teams gets to gets is team A. So they get their choice of if they want to host two home games or if they want to go on the road for the final game against the winner of the other two games or the other games. Right. So to me, you know, I think the Red Sox would be team A. I think, I think based on the records, that's how that work out. Um, so I think they will probably choose to host two games. I think mm-hmm. um, the Jays actually end up being third in this. So Seattle would then uh, be team number two and they get their choice of team B to face the Red Sox at home and then host the next game. Mm-hmm. or be team C and then they get to host the final game. Um, sorry, they get to go on the road for the final game, but they only play one game. Mm-hmm. So I think Seattle will choose team C personally, because I think they would rather only play one game, you know, than, than try and go on the road or home twice, um, which would leave the Jays as team B having to beat Boston, would have to beat Boston in Boston and then go back to the Rogers center and beat Seattle in the Rogers yeah. Center, um, if that if that's how it works out, I like Yankees Jays to be that. I I, I do. Mm. Um, realistically, you know, with with my non hopeful side, <laughs> um, I think it's gonna be Yankees Red Sox. I think I think Seattle. Yes, they're on fire right now, but I think they got deflated last night after losing two one. 
I think they had, you know, they had first, they, they had first and third, no outs, and they pulled the Jays and struck out three times. Didn't even put the ball in play. If you hit a fly ball, it's a tie game. And then all of a sudden Seattle has all the momentum. They're getting going, but they came out flat. They didn't do anything. You know, they let off the, the bottom of the ninth, let off with a double and then three straight, three straight outs. So it's like, like they keep getting this momentum and then they keep losing it. So mm-hmm. I think, I think ultimately last night will be deflating for them. You know, I still think they potentially win the next two games, but they need help at the same point. So yeah. uh, I will go Yankees, Red Sox. Um, let's, let's kind of break down some of these scenarios. Cause I think there's the ultimate chaos scenario for this. It would be a four way tie for both spots. Yeah. So Yankees have to lose the last two. So they have to get swept by the Rays, mm-hmm. which the way they, the way the Rays played last night is possible. The Yankees had a great bottom of the ninth, but the Rays played better that majority of that game. Yeah. Red Sox have to lose one of their last two games. Which, which is probably a possibility because for sure, especially because they're in they're playing interleague games right now too, right? Mm-hmm. They're in they're in Washington. It's not as if Washington's in Boston, so Boston has to play with that pitcher hitting in mind, right? So you know, la- last night they they had two home runs to score their four runs. Washington definitely should have scored some more, and, and they kind of choked. So you know, the hope. Red Sox today, maybe they might lose. We'll see. You know, they got Chris Sale on the mound on Sunday. So that could be, you know, the make or break scenario. Um, and then the Jays and Mariners win both of the last two games. And if that is the case, it's a four-way tie. And in this case, it actually helps the Jays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that because because that's the case, you know, four teams would be, would be tied with 91 and 71 records. Two tiebreaker games will be played on Monday to determine the wildcard teams. So, again, it comes down to A, B, C, D teams uh, with the best winning percentage against the game, uh, the other the other teams that are in that are mm-hmm. in contention. Right. Um, Club A would be the Yankees. Uh, no. Yankees or Red Sox? Would it, would it still be the Red Sox? Still be the Red Sox, actually. Yes. Red Sox, because they were 24 and 21 against the, all the other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would choose, they obviously, they would host one of the games. It's like, that's really not even a choice. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna be like come first place and be like, yeah, no, I'm going to go on the road. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Um, the Jays would actually pick next, which is inter- interesting because they finished 22 and 22 against the other teams. Cause they had a really good record against the Yankees this year. They did. Um, and I'm assuming if that's the case, they would host the other tiebreaker game. Mm. I would think. Um, the Yankees center hosting that whole cow with with I believe they're what at 30,000 30,000 people capacity now yep it's gonna be a nuts stadium what's going to be interesting is the Yankees then get their choice of who they want to face so if you're if you're the Yankees who'd you rather face would you rather play the Red Sox in Fenway or the Jays at Rogers Center well they've had success in both places that's the thing right so I mean, they had a the the Yankees went, I believe, eleven and nine mm-hmm. against the Red Sox in the, in the regular season. Yeah, um, notably swept the last series too, and like outplayed them at Fenway. Yeah, and, I mean, I, and- I, I would I would take the Red Sox. I think that 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 heat of the moment, that rival, like that's just that atmosphere would be better suited for them just to get them prepped for the playoffs. So I think. I think they go Boston. I don't think they want to come to the Rogers Center because that thing's going to be flying. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, they haven't had much luck. You're like you got to think about who they're potentially facing too, right? Because you know, with Chris Sale pitching on Sunday, it's you're guaranteed you're guaranteed to not not face Chris Sale in Boston, which means it's most likely going to be Nathan Avaldi. And from my recollection, the Yankees destroy Nathan Avaldi. So. Yeah. I mean, would you rather that or would you rather play Jose Barrios? No, it'd be, it'd be, I think it'd be Barrios because Barrios would pitch the play in and then Robbie Ray would then pitch the wild card. Oh, okay. mm. So it'd be interesting. You know, it could be a, it could be a rematch of Robbie Ray versus the Yankees and hopefully he doesn't get shelled for, you know, five home runs on okay. five But that, that's the, his thing. Why was he pitching up in the zone? five pitches in a row. I think Rizzo kind of figured it out that they're going up and in and he just stepped back and then took a, and launched that 
Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. It, just pitch selection. It something with the Jays that they have to watch out for in this wild card is they keep pumping the same area on the same player every at bat, and at one point that player is going to pull back and they're going to hit it. Especially if you're if you're going to hit with Rizzo or your Stanton or, or Judge, like make a yep. decision. Oh, Stop no, swinging it's... for the goddamn fences. Get on base and just let everyone hit. Like you saw Jansen last night. Just get on base in front of him. He's gonna he's gonna put it in play. Well, that's so that that's another thing. Me personally, I'm not a huge fan of Kirk. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, I think he has great potential. But right now, Jansen's the better catcher and he's the better hitter right now. Sorry. He's <laughs> Sorry calling the first... game better too. Like Kirk exactly. called it up and in, and you're like, okay, I get twice. Yeah. Put him away. He's gonna keep because because the thing was you got to change his eyesight, and they weren't doing that. And and that's how Rizzo and and Judge and Stanton were able to get on base. Yeah, and it's like I, I went to that game. You know, we bought tickets last second to try and go to that game, and it was just, it was they had so many chances, and then all of a sudden the Yankees, you know, the Bronx Bombers, as you say, came out, and every hit they got left the park, yeah. <laughs> and it was just it's one of those I don't know it, they 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 were missing something that game, and it was I think it was the consistency of you know the bottom of the lineup. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Grichuk in the lineup. I think adding, you know, if Lords is healthy, you put him in the lineup rather than that, and and it brings something more to your team than than Grichuk, who's right now basically an automatic out. So yeah, I mean, going back to going back to the, these scenarios, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. You know, two games left for all these teams. The Jays are hoping that the Red Sox lose at least one because if the Red Sox lose one, they have to win out, and they're they're guaranteed a tie if they win out at least. Right. So, um, I mean, best they, case scenario, the Yankees lose the next two games, Red Sox split, and the Seattle Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays win out. And then we're looking at a solid 91 and 71 record for everybody. Yep. Four way tie, two yeah. tiebreaker scenarios. That would be ideal because then, well, then you're getting more baseball yeah. straight up. And you're, getting, and yeah. you're getting playoff atmosphere baseball for free basically. <laughs> so, um, it will be an interesting last way, uh, last weekend of this, of this MLB season. So if you haven't been paying attention, I recommend you pay attention. I'm assuming majority of the games will be on TV of some sort, yeah. because if they're not, the MLB is missing, the, missing the ball. They'll on be this on, one. They'll, they'll be on Sportsnet, <laughs> yeah. even if Fox is doing it or, Somebody else is taking over the national broadcast. It will, it will be on. Um, it will be on Sportsnet. I hope uh, Dan Shulman gets the call for the Jays games though, because I think building that national pride is good. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he's. I'm sorry, and I will say this, and I will probably get roasted for it. I'm not a fan of Buck Martinez. Sorry. He's. I think this season though, a lot of people are in your boat where they're just like, ah, Buck, come on, man. That that was not a comment to make. Like Patty, yeah. Pat Tabler had it had a very good color by uh, color commentating yesterday with Dan Shulman. And maybe that's what you go with, or you know what? Tell Buck to stop saying stuff. Cause it might become a, a Don Cherry situation where he says something and offends a whole group of people. And we live in cancel culture, unfortunately. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's the reality of the world we live in right now. So anyways, Let's uh, let's take a quick break and then sure. we will come back with our final aspect of the show. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host Nick McVicker for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episodes available every Tuesday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from 20 Minutes on Ice. Part of the Garage Door Sports Network. All right, let's get back into it. The magic of editing will put the another ad in there for us. Um, with saying that, let's get into yours and Nick's favorite subject, Champions League soccer. You know, a very interesting, I would say, second leg so far of these of the last uh, last little bit of the Champions League games. I mean, you had you had some upsets, to say the least. You had some, you know, 
some close games, some surprising games, I would say. Yep. Um, I mean, do we start talking about the Cinderella story? Do we start off there? I think you have to start there. I mean, let's let's get into that. You know, Cinderella story. Sheriff Tiraspol? Is that, am I saying that right? I don't even know. Sure. We'll give it All to right, that because I won't be able to say it. I was right. going to say, let, let's go with it. Usually Nick's the one with, with the, the correct pronunciations or, or what he thinks is the correct pronunciations or, or whatever it is. Yep. Um, I mean, a team that technically doesn't have a country right now, at least one that's not recognized by the world. Um, I mean, it's recognized by nine states, I think, right now, but those mm-hmm. nine states are also technically not countries in themselves. So it's not necessarily recognized by anybody. Um, I mean, we were talking before the show, I think they're third in their own division right now. Yep. And, and yet they're they're coming into the Champions League and they beat Real Madrid. Like at the Bernabeu. Yeah. Which is it's a, like you, you you break this down. It's to me it's just stunning. I I I just it's wow. There was a, a quote from the captain, I think, before the game, saying to his boys, like, why not us? Sort of it was along the lines of why not us? And I thought, you know, Sheriff came out and was just like, we're not giving you any space. You're not mm-hmm. going to score an easy goal on us. Even that penalty to me was a little soft, but again, um, it was a penalty, no doubt. But yep. you know, like that whole game, Sheriff was on point. I thought their keeper was fantastic. Like he was just like, Nope, Nope. Wax on wax off. None of this shit's going through. Like it was, it was just a complete game. And then the, the winning goal um, it's just, what a volley like those are types of shots that you see very good players in a lot of the leagues botch it and yep. he just he just laced it he perfectly placed it i rhymed and didn't even mean to do that but he just did a great job with with scoring like that was just a complete game from a cinderella story yep. you know every year we look for one it was ajax uh, it was leon you know now it's a, a team that you probably won't hear mm-hmm. ever um yeah. But what blew my mind was, wasn't the fact that Real lost, was the fact that Barcelona and Real Madrid lost in the same match week. I was actually just going to get in. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Well, why, why don't we hop into that? Like, what did you make of that? That was quite, that was quite mind blowing. Well, Barca just, I, I, and it's, it's weird. Barca, like, I, don't get me wrong. They lost Messi. I get it. But Barca's not the same team anymore. They're, they're just not. And it's like, they, they, like, barring, obviously, a great comeback, there's still many legs to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not counting them out by any means. But, like, barring a new Barca team showing up, mm. they're not looking good at all. Like, Benfica just absolutely destroyed them. And, and, and it, like, realistically, it, it wasn't close. <laughs> like, the, the, the score obviously says it, it wasn't close. But the game itself... Yes, Barca had possession, but we knew Barca was going to have possession. Mm. And just, I don't know. They look terrible to me. Like, there's do, no, do you happen to catch that game? There's no finishing touch. And yeah. I've been saying this since they hired their manager in Ronald Coleman. He is not the right manager for this club. Unfortunately, he's more of a, a development coach. I think if you're if you're trying to get something out of a young team, especially like young Dutch players, he's a good voice to have. And we right. saw that with the Dutch national team coaching Barcelona they have no identity they don't know what's going to happen I mean Memphis defies their best player and when he's not scoring nobody else is scoring they have zero shots again against Benfica like you had Nicholas Otamendi look at Ansu Fati your new number 10 and go who are you <laughs> like the fact that Otamendi who struggled in the EPL couldn't mark a man for the for his life and why he didn't stay at City yep. is telling one of your best players that who are you I mean, that's a problem in and of itself. Like, I just think that there's rumors that Ronald Coleman's going to get fired this week or there's constant conversations about that. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're gonna rumor it because that team's a mess, fire them. Or, you know what, every team's going to hit that dip and they're in their dip, either suck it up and, and try and rebuild within mm-hmm. or get out of debt because the problem is they're in debt and the team's screwed up. Well, and I, I, think, I think the biggest thing... And I think the fact that people are realizing right now is Messi and what he brought to that team mm. was basically like paper mache and like, sh- like hiding the weaknesses of Barca. Everybody could see it, 
but they were winning because what Messi brought to that team and how they kind of overcame their, what, lack of unity slash lack of legitimate goal-scoring threat, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And what he brought kind of held everything together. But then once he's gone, now you're truly seeing Barca. And it's like, you know, De Jong was probably the best player out there. Mm -hmm. And... Like the fact that they lost three nothing, like that's saying something. Like, like it's like like De, De Jong didn't play bad. Don't get me wrong, and he 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 played pretty well trying to get the ball up and all that kind of stuff. But like, there was nothing, as you said, like like basically no shots, like nothing, just no nothing. And and it's it, it's 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 for a weird. It's it's tough to watch. It really is mm. because you you expect Barca to be there. You expect Barca to do something. You, you, it's, that it's just it's the namesake, right? It's just, yeah. I don't. Know. It's 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 it's, 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 it's the it's same thing new. though. But like after every team hits their peak, right? Like you, we'll look at United. We'll look at AC Milan. Their twenty, twenty-five year, thirty-year dominance of being consistent fell apart when changes started to happen. It mm-hmm. took United seven years to to be a force when OGS came in Milan's trying to get back into that level. So every team's going to hit that dip. Liverpool wasn't very good for a very long time, just in Europe when they were making Europa and champions, you're like, okay, you guys are good. But other than that, they weren't very good. So I think Barcelona has to admit the fact that they're in a rebuild stage. They're going to struggle, but how do you bring in the mentality and the vision that this is where we're going to end up? There's no, there's no end game here. Yeah. And that's their biggest problem. Yeah. And, and it's it's tough to see that it really is. I mean, you, you look at you look at some of these groups as well. You know, PSG looks great somehow. Drew Club Bruges though, not really sure how that was the case. But yeah. I mean, beat Man City, and deservedly so. They looked like the better team. Yeah. Um, I, I, other than that, there's no real huge surprises other than Barca being zero and two and. You know Benfica, all of a sudden up there now. So yeah, well the wide, door's wide open, especially when you know. Even don't be surprised if Dinamo Kiev beats up on Barcelona and mm-hmm. plays Benfica well, and Bayern is going to run away with this group because they just look like they're not even trying. I was going to say, do we want to talk about your boys and uh, sneaking out the win against Villarreal? Undeserved. That that game was. I thought Villarreal was a better side. I don't think they deserve to lose that game at all and obviously Ronaldo comes in and that's what you need from your big boys scoring a a monumental goal but okay so I've been kind of throwing this idea out let me know if you agree or not but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might get fired before Mikel Arteta does I I yeah I could see it yeah I mean they had another disappointing outing today in in the in the EPL I mean yeah drawing Everton this morning don't be wrong, Everton's not bad, but if Man U truly is trying to contend for that top spot, you can't have that. You got to put games away. Yep. No, I was just, it was just a thought, like, Arsenal had one game all year and everyone's talking about how Mikel Arteta just added an extra couple of weeks to his year. Right. Um, but, like, you look at Ole Gunnar and you're like, are you going to get fired even though you're going to be in a top four position for most of the year? And it, it, it's it's weird to say, you know, I, I would, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to try and relate it to myself. And it's like, I think, I think it's kind of similar to the the same, like the Lampard situation, right? Yeah. He, he was, he was there. His team was doing okay. Wasn't doing mm-hmm. up to the potential of what they thought it was going to be. Right. He wasn't getting the best out of all of his players. And I think you could say the same thing about Ole. I don't think he's getting truly the best out of the Man United team. I really don't, you know, mm-hmm. is, is Ronaldo coming into that team, make them, world-class I don't think it does because I don't think Ronaldo is the same player as he was you know he's not even close to being the same player as he was when he left Man United in the first place Mm -hmm. right so it's like yes he's Ronaldo don't get me wrong he's going to make fantastic plays but other players who you're potentially trying to develop for that Man United team are now on the backside and not getting the same playing time comparatively and and you know do they do they need to bring in somebody young? Do they need to bring in like you know a more experienced manager who has success you know in with multiple trophies, right? I I, I don't know what they truly need. You know, Man, man use kind of that enigma where 
as we were saying, like with Barca, it's a different story, but they're saying that they're that namesake. They have to be up there. You can't have something without Man United being involved because it doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't like, you know, like having a Champions League without Man United being involved just wouldn't be the same. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's that type of thing. So yeah. I, I could definitely see if they don't have success soon in, in in other aspects, not even just the EPL, but other aspects uh, like the Champions League, I I could definitely see it. Mm. It's not that they're they're in a bad position in any of these competitions. No. They're they're not poor. It's just when you have like five really poor outings, yeah. that's what everyone sees. So I'm yeah. just I'm just worried that they're gonna jump the gun and fire him when McKellar said this should have been fired last year, and he's just gonna keep his job because of one good performance. I mean, if they show up today against Brighton, yeah, you know, he might he might extend it another month or so. He might get a month extra. <laughs> give give him an extra contract extension. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, give, him, give him three more years. Why not? Uh, I think United you know, will be fine in that group. Um, yeah. It's gonna be a tough group because I think everyone's just not gonna fold and let. United walk over them, and that's what you want. But um, if they don't get out of the group this year, problems. I mean, I don't think anybody saw the first game. I don't think anybody saw young boys beating Man United. I don't think anybody There's saw something that. about Swiss teams in United. They lost to Basel a couple of years ago when Ferguson was there, and it was just like, how? And then, again, young boys just showing up. Yeah. I think it's the Achilles heel. They, you know, the, the Swiss team, the Swiss – nationals in general just play like the, the neutral side but they show up they're consistent and, and everyone takes them for granted the swiss army knife they always find something to do they always they do. have an option so i mean they have one game coming up against atalanta in middle of october so we'll see how that one goes but i mean this champions league to me is a lot more interesting than previous years i think mm-hmm. because there's a lot more you know as a as a better, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> but as a soccer fan, it's very interesting because there's a lot more upset potential. There's a lot more, you know, there's there's deserving teams on all aspects. There's not just the you know top two or three teams in each each division and everybody else. No, right. you know, there's lots of teams that are you know sneak out a draw on the road. All of a sudden they go back home and they beat you know they beat Barca at home and it's like or they beat Barca on the road. It's like oh my god, like what the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's so many teams going the other way in their in their I guess their their growth that a lot of these younger teams and a lot of these teams that you don't expect to win are going the opposite way and they're meeting in the middle and yep. um, it's been good. I have to ask you, what did you make of the the Juve and and Chelsea matchup? I think it might have been the best game at this like this whole year so far. Like it was just a tactically yep. brilliant game. But what did oh, you make no, of for, it? For sure, like actually, like tactically wise, it was it was great. You know, as a Chelsea fan, obviously they had possession. You kind of knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my biggest thing there was a huge disconnect, especially for the Chelsea aspect, between the midfield and getting it to Lukaku. There was a huge disconnect there. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, I think the biggest thing they were missing, and it's it's weird to say because everybody thinks he's overrated now after all the praise he's got, they were missing Conte. They were missing that big piece in the middle, um, defending-wise and getting the ball through. You know, mm-hmm. him, him switching the play in that midfield is huge for the Chelsea team because – he, he brings something that you just, you can't replace. And, and, you know, I, I, I love Kovacic. I do, but at the same time, I absolutely hate Kovacic because he just sometimes is just not there. And it's, mm-hmm. it, and he, his, his turnovers seem to cost the ball. And, you know, Chiesa for Juventus was fantastic. He, he won basically all of his battles. He was a threat the entire game. I mean, it, it was, it was definitely a fantastic game. Obviously, I, I think Chelsea should have at least drew that game. I think mm. they had the chances. Um, they missed a couple of those chances, unfortunately, but it is what it is. You know, yep. lo- losing to Juventus in Juventus, it's it's not the end of the world. You know, if it was if you lost at the you know at home, then it's a little bit more then it's a little more tough because you got to win those games, right? But mm. in saying that, I. It's weird to say. I don't see any other team in the in that group coming out. You know, Zenit potentially, but even then, I really don't. 
it's it's going to come down to those two teams, and it's 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 going to be a very interesting group with just those two teams facing off against each other. They could potentially have another you know match of the year when they go back to to, to Stanford, right? Yeah. Like, you never know. I so, think Chelsea will win that one. I think they'll, they'll I, split I the home and one. I think they should. Um, maybe Mason Mount will be ready to go because I think you're right that that disconnect between Ziyech and Havertz to Lukaku wasn't there. That middleman, whether it's Conte or Mason Mount, or the fact that on the bench you you didn't even, they didn't start Seoul, the guy yeah. that they brought in from Atletico Madrid, who's who has the capability of playing multiple positions and and being that conversationist. Right. Mm-hmm. Kovacic to me can come in the last 30 minutes of the game and just stifle attacks. Yeah. Yep. But that creativity might be missing. Uh, but I, I think Kovacic is a Conte light and it's not really close. Yeah. It, it, he's, he's like one of those, he, that's what, that's what his ceiling would be. I think would be like that type of player. He's not there mm-hmm. yet. He's not there, but you know, I, I think, I think, and that, that Chelsea team, yes, obviously I'm a Chelsea Homer. Don't get me wrong. But in saying that, I think that team, when everybody's healthy, is a great, fully complete team and has has unlimited potential, I think. So, I mean, they won it last year. They should get out of their group this year. We'll see how it goes. They're arguably better on paper than they were last year. And that's Agreed. that's scary. Yep. I, I would agree. And it's like, you, you, like, yes, obviously you bring in Lukaku and that's a whole different story. You mm-hmm. actually have a guy who's consistently going to score goals. But it's also like the little piece, as you said, Saul brings out that, like, he's that extra piece. You know, Alonzo has come into his own in the last six to nine months. And all of a sudden now as a, as a left back or even a left wing back, he's looking fantastic. He's looking like a guy who has, you know, he's confident, he's happy, he's, mm-hmm. he's back and ready to play football. And it's like, he's added something to that team that they didn't really have before. Obviously, mm-hmm. the whole the whole issue with Chelsea was that that back line. That was the whole issue, you know. And even then, Christensen now too. Christensen's turning into a legitimate center back, and it's and it's 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 scary to think that they didn't really have these pieces in place until the end of last year. So, like that mm-hmm. team last year, yeah, I would agree. it was different. And with Tuchel coming in, he understands the roles. He's not putting his players in compromising situations. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's a huge, huge asset for for Chelsea. I think they're one of the best teams in the world right now. Yep. Um, and as a United fan, that breaks my heart because I John Terry life. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, but arguably bringing in the fact that you have two serviceable left backs now mm-hmm. in Chilwell and Alonso just shores that up. Thiago Silva looks like he's still in his early thirties and not close to his late thirties now. Yep. Um, and then Conte is the best midfielder in the world. Uh, maybe Joshua Kimmich is second, but that's about it. But it's 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 amazing to think that just what 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 they can do, you know. I mean, C- City City's in in on their own on on the on the in their group themselves. You know, they they're technically in third right now, but probably should at least come second in that group. Um, Cities look good. Liverpool is like, like <laughs> to me, they're the enigma. They're like. They should be good, but then they have some letdown games. They they mm-hmm. have games where like, eh, I don't know, like, and then Man United like they they have the pieces, they have the pieces to be there, but just haven't put everything together yet. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is the manager part. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it is like the Lampard to Tuchel. Maybe Ole has got to become. Maybe he's got to turn into something else. I don't know who that may be. But maybe it's just the manager tactics or, or thinking that truly switch, you know, flips that switch. So. He's someone with that experience because I think he knows what he's doing. It's just trying yeah. to get to the next step. And I think no, no, no disrespect to Frank Lampard. I think he's a big reason as to why Chelsea was so successful in that first year of the ban mm-hmm. and why the pieces were already in place. Yep. You just need someone with that experience that's played or coached a bigger side that understands the roles and people actually go, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, any matchup you're looking for forward to in match week three? Um, well, let's go into the matchups to make sure. And uh, da, 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 da. well, first off, I'm looking at the Sheriff Inter, I think would be good because if Sheriff can get three wins, that's huge. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see how they show up. Obviously, it'll be they're in Milan, so 
we'll we'll see if they can get yeah, out. That a makes no win. difference. They wanted the Bernabeu, which is worse. <laughs> yeah. um, Liverpool Atletico, I think, to me, is going to be a, a fantastic game. Um, I'm interested to see how that one actually goes. Uh, and then, as, as I said earlier, I think that uh, that Atalanta Man United game is truly going to show which team Man United brings. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the real thing. I think it's going yeah. to be. It's gonna. Atalanta is a fantastic team, but they don't always have the most success in extra competitions, other than uh, at, at, other than at home, basically, mm. with their uh, in their. What am I trying to say? In that, their country, that game either is going to be like three nothing United or like one yeah. nothing Atalanta by the end of the night. Like it's yeah. one of those. It's either United's going to score a bunch or they're just not going to score. Yeah, and and it's it's going to be Atalanta either shuts down because it, is it at. It's at Old Trafford, so so that'll be you know. Um, in my opinion, that's a must win for yeah. United. So well, they play Atlanta back to back, so they'll play the home and home and home sort of thing. So yeah, they'll, they'll have to close it out there. Uh, one big matchup to look out for, and this probably determines who leads Group C by the end of it. But Ajax and Dortmund—they're both tied at six points each, and they play each other in two weeks' time. I think that's going to be a fun match. Two young squads. Um, attacking-minded squads that like to have good fun when they're yep. playing. It's going to be a good good matchup. It'll determine who comes out first by the end of the week, but they play each other back-to-back, which is, oh, it's going to be fun. In Amsterdam to start, too. So, yeah. see who gets the upper hand on that one. I mean, don't get me wrong, Pasitkas kind of was okay, mm. but then Ajax just completely took over that game. So, it's like, like – they they kind of held their own, but it's Ajax and Dortmund to me are one two, and I don't really think there's anybody even can, that can really compete. So agreed. It'll be uh, interesting next week. That comes up in about two and a half weeks, if I am correct, yep. um, for that third leg of the games. Um, you got anything else to add, buddy? Before we uh, we wrap this one up? No, let's head to final thoughts. All right. What? Let's start with you. Let's start with your final thought. What is your final thought of of this week? Uh, something a little serious that's been happening on Twitter in the last couple of weeks, um, where a lot of colored journalists have been getting hate emails and hate messages through different boards, whether that's you know through the website or emails, um, especially right after the our, our Canadian election, it just got a little bit worse. So I've been reading a lot of it through the through the last day, and again, I have nothing. I, I don't know what to say because I, I just can't believe that this is what it's coming into. But a lot of women journalists are being targeted, especially of color, um, being told to go back to their countries. And half of them are like, we're Canadian. So where do I go? You know, like as a rebuttal. But I don't know. It's just it, it, it's difficult to see when there's so many problems in media and and so many issues with women in sports or women in media in general like they're just not getting the opportunities and then when they do get these opportunities you have little you have these little fuckers that um you know they're they're writing all these things like i'm reading it now and this person literally wrote six reasons six reasons and like thick ass paragraphs as, as to why this person is bad and it's like if you're gonna do that then like i i just i just give i just hope these these journalists they have the strength and they they clearly do have a really good backbone but it's disappointing to see when when you're young and you're trying to become media outlets yourselves and um like our whole group of friends are like young journalists and and and, you know thinking in my in my head if if any of us got this i'd be very disappointed i'd be very sad because it's just it's just heartbreaking to see and it, it needs to stop and I'm going to do more research on the matter, but it just keeps coming on my timeline and, and it makes me very sad. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, when it, when it comes to being a reporter, it takes a certain set of skills that not everybody has to truly put up with the hate and everything you really do. And it's, it's disappointing to see because there is, you know, there are those people out there that just want to watch the world burn and they don't care who it affects. It, it's really what it comes down to. So um, I'm going to kind of ride along along your coattails on this one, and I'm going to bring up the uh, the UHL um, and and the the issue that happened there um, with let me let me pronounce his name correctly. Um, Which Eugene one? one? Kolichev oh. um, was a general manager who actually spoke out against Andre Denis 
Deniskin's racist ge- gesture towards Jalen Smerik, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, so Denichev is, is a player who was playing in the uh, UHL and was handed out a 13-game suspension for... Um, Which, by the way, was not clear in any no. of them in the text. Okay. No, not at all. Like, it, it was not very clear at all. And to be honest, and all these people, and I agree with all the people that are calling for outrage, this guy should not play another game in that league. I'm sorry. It, it's just... League can't play professionally again. Like, yeah, and it's, it's got it's to set some sort of precedent. And, and it's... They didn't. They missed it. They completely whiffed on this. And it's... It, it seems like a reoccurring theme when we talk about racism and, and everything in sports. And, and the fact that there is always a disconnect and a miss when it comes to truly handling this correctly. It, it, it's, it's, it's a nonstop reminder that, you know, you have to set a precedent. And that's, I, I keep saying that over all this, all these suspension talks. And, you know, I brought it up when we were talking about the spider attack and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to set a precedent as to, Hey, you do this, you're gone. Sorry. Like we are not putting up with it. I think, I think these managers and these leagues are afraid that they're going to lose money and lose sponsorship. And I think that's, that, that has to be the only reason why they're not willing to, to ruffle some feathers. I think if you ruffle it, then they know that this sort of bullshit doesn't get through. Yeah. Like, like look at the national hockey league, that whole Chicago Blackhawks situation. It's quiet. It should not be quiet. But again, that's a, a different issue in itself, but this player, you're right. Should not be playing anymore. And, the fact and that anybody, it wasn't even clear, uh, IIHF hasn't even stepped into to be like you're done. Well, and and that's that's the next step is that, you know IIHF has to step up and do something on top of this, whether it be some sort of you know ban on that UHL and like hey until you fix this nobody gets to play or or whatever it may be. I don't I don't know how they're going to handle it. Something's got to be done though, and and if you if you haven't seen the incident involved go check it out online. Um, you can probably yeah. type in UHL and that'll be the only thing that shows up because nobody cares about the Ukrainian hockey league. So um, look it up, take like, watch the video. It's absolutely a disgusting act. It really is. And, you know, I, I feel for Jalen Smerick and I, I really hope that, you know, he's taking some time away. I hope he gets, he gets fully paid for taking time away. I really hope that's the case. And I hope he gets another chance in another league because I don't think he wants to go back to that league. Um, and, and I don't blame him whatsoever. So um, I think my hope is that we can finally eventually say, if you're going to make a racist act, you're gone, you're done. Sorry. It's yep. no place in any game for those acts. It's a massive common theme with the Eastern European countries though. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not sure if you were following this or not, but Sparta Prague and Rangers game midweek. So because of the, the racism to Glenn Kamara, yeah. uh, only children under 14 were allowed to be in the stadium. And even those guys, those kids were hurling racist chants at Glenn Kamara. The fact that 14 and younger are doing it in Eastern European countries just blows my mind. I think either ban the club or not the club, but like find the club an insane amount, not like the freaking super league that got like, here's a, here's a thousand dollar fine or whatever it was. Um, but ban it, start putting your foot down. The only way this shit's going to stop, like you're saying mm-hmm. is you got to take this huge, huge step. And then everyone knows you can't cross that line. Yeah. Well, and the fact and that, honestly- they, that, that people want to cross that line is just going to blow my mind even more. Cause people are going to be like, Nope, it's not at the line. It's, it's, it's the, yeah. it's right near it. So we're well, okay. There's a gray area. There's a gray yeah. area. I'm not, it's like, it's, it's not it's like hits not, to the head, stupid gray area. For, no, it's a hit to the head. I don't yeah. understand how there's a gray area. Yeah. But yeah. And it's, and I agree. I think, I think honestly, you have to put the team at fault. And I think you put the team at fault. I think, as you said, I think you ban all ticket sales. Eventually a team will fold if they don't get the ticket sales. That's how it works. You know, if, if they can't sell tickets to games, all of a sudden the team will be like, hey, guys, figure it out. Like, sorry, we need to make money and we can't afford to not have ticket sales. We need these to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you have any sort of these acts, you're gone. You're done. We're not we're not signing you. We're, we're cutting you, whatever it may be. So there's got to be some some big steps taken to truly um, 
counteract all these all these atrocious acts that we're, we're seeing yeah. so especially in kids man you can't be 14 and younger and do this stupid crap like I to mean, me they're, that they're, just yeah they're learning from somebody they are but like come on everyone through sensitivity training let's do it no that's probably not the answer but some change needs to happen we say this every week on the show that there's some sort of change that needs to happen and it just feels like it gets quiet after a week it, it's it's how do, how do they say it? it's an old man's game and things are tough to change so it, it, it's 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 frustrating it really is so but in saying that that will wrap up the show for us today um you know state will I, I think i think next week let's try and do some tire fires or something we'll see we'll see how that goes maybe they bring yeah. back that for a week i mean the two examples we have are technically tire fires i mean they are fires. they really yeah. are i mean racism in sports is the ongoing tire fire is really what it is so Um, But from all of us here at the Garage Door Sports Network, we will see you next time.